0: Hello, I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends and mobility with leaders and innovators who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to be joined by Sam Lesh, Head of Policy and Public Affairs, Wabi. On today's episode, he'll share his insights on policy and workforce development in the world of autonomous trucks. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Sam.
1: Thanks, Grayson. Great to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here because as autonomy and autonomous trucks develop, professional drivers will play a very large role in the future of autonomous trucking. And autonomous trucking point blank, and you and I both know, will create jobs. There's a lot of chatter around the role of drivers when trucks go autonomous. Will the drivers be involved? Will they not be involved? And there's a lot of mistruths and a lot of misstatements out there. You have this unique insight from both sides of the aisle. Can you shed some light on the topic and the role that the professional driver will play as autonomous truck scale, please?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's. And I'm glad you asked it because I think it's a, it's a question as you know, companies like ours and the whole ecosystem gets closer to, to bringing the promise of this technology to the world. Uh, you know, a question that we're going to be asked more and more, right? And I really want to kind of nip it in the bud and, and start talking about this in some detail. So, you know, I think first and foremost, the biggest you know misconception is, as you know, and, and a lot of other people who both follow this space closely, but also come from the trucking industry know is that there's this tendency to look at trucking as this you know, giant blob where everything is the same, right? I mean, it's it's as if you're, you know, acting as a, a Disney character and it doesn't matter which character, you just kind of run around in the costume or something. Couldn't be further from the truth, right? You know, you talk to professional drivers who have been in the LTL space for 30 years, you know, their experiences day-to-day, especially if they're doing, say, city driving, doing local pickups and deliveries, you know, couldn't be more different than a, a driver who lives on the road for six months at a time. So even at the foundational point, right, that... Any sort of technology that has a, a very specific and and narrow to start and then slowly expanding use case like autonomous trucking does is going to impact that entire very diverse ecosystem the same is just off base and and more than that it's 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 also you know the the. the the, the fact that a lot of this has really been studied and looked at in, in a lot of detail at this point. And, you know, we have all seen over the last couple of years what COVID did to the supply chains and how much we were really struggling to even get drivers into the industry, much less stay. You know, th- this is a job that is grueling and hard, especially on the long haul truckload type operations, uh, you know, that a lot of companies, you know, ours included, are really focusing on. And it's, and it's a very difficult job to, you know, almost no matter what you pay people to get them to stay in because of the quality of life in there. So we really see this as a way to, to bring the benefits of technology, you know, letting a robot go and do some of the most grueling work to free you up to do some of the slightly easier work as the perfect solution. And drivers are going to play an, an essential and, and irreplaceable role in that for decades to come.
0: It seems when you when I look at the, the the trucking market as a whole that there's a trend where drivers preferring the routes where they can go home at night versus the the long over the road and just looking at autonomy, and autonomous trucks. Okay, that's a really great application where drivers don't really want to do, but you have the really great million mile drivers, 2 million drop that really enjoy that, but a majority of new drivers don't like that. Is that where you see autonomous trucks kind of picking up the slack on those long haul routes where the professional drivers will drive the local delivery routes, perhaps the under 100 mile routes, under 50 mile routes?
1: Absolutely. And, and even slightly longer, too, at times, right? I mean, regional routes, uh, specialty type of freight, right? Flatbed operations, things like that, right? Where there are, you know, unique kind of characteristics and concerns. Sometimes, you know, even if it's a longer route, but you need to make multiple stops along the trip, you know, that requires you to have a driver or someone else there to unload the freight and interact with the customer. That's nothing to do with the technology. That's just the nature of, you know, the business. But you, know, you hit the nail on the head in terms of kind of where we've seen the next generation of drivers really wanting to go. Um, You know, hat tip to to Uber Freight, who did a really good kind of review of of some market data on this over the years. And, you know, their look at kind of employment growth in the various sectors, uh, I think since about 2012 showed, you know that the local delivery side—I mean, completely irrelevant of, of autonomy—had uh, almost twenty or thirty percent more growth than the the long distance kind of truckload side, right? And and exactly your point. I mean, I think this reflects you know a new generation coming in who, who values being at home. They're more connected, you know, via social media and the internet to their peers. They they understand that there are more options for them versus just going into a. You know, a truckload job like a driver 40 years ago might have just been connected by a friend or a relative and stuck into that segment. You know, they know they have more choices and they're making deliberate, intentional choices to choose something that fits their value structure. And we're seeing more and more because drivers are people, too. They want to be home with their family. They want to be there at soccer practice. Uh, and they also want to make a good wage to, to pay for, you know, a life that is uh, getting more expensive by the year at times. Yeah. the
0: inflation's not transitory. It's it's sticky. And the Fed's going to have to keep raising interest rates to get under control. You see, I've I've noticed a trend. I live here in Florida. i noticed a trend where, I'm going to call them entrepreneur professional drivers, are doing car carriers. All these different car carrier brands... Around come October, the snowbirds come down and it used to be horseless carriage. That was the one company. And now you're seeing all these other carriers pop up like, okay, somebody figured out a really good niche. Well, these professional drivers, does that become a nationwide trend where they start to find these niches? Perhaps it's car carriers. Perhaps it's getting a hazmat certification or oil and gas. Do we kind of see those niches start to explode since you do need that human element, that human touch to move that type of cargo?
1: Absolutely. I think, I think you're completely right that that is, again, happening even irrespective of autonomy, right? And I think some of that is because you have you have cycles in trucking, right? Where, you know, especially on the spot market, rates can kind of go up and down and are constrained and impacted by macroeconomic effects. Uh, the driver shortage plays into that. You know, a bunch of other factors play into fuel prices play into that. And, and you see there's a lot of drivers who, when times are good, get decide to get into trucking, buy their own truck. Uh, want to kind of be in the business because they think those good times are going to continue. And then they realize that's not the case. And some of that is the, the beauty of the free market in some ways where they then face a choice and they choose to adapt and they find those niche markets where they can exist for a long period of time uh, and make good money too, right? You know, you're you're not beholden to to one or two customers or, you know, a, a broker who, you know, you might need to build a relationship with in order to make sure that you get good, reliable freight. You know, you're able to pick something that works for you to your point about Florida, maybe you're on a repeat, you know, repetitive route kind of going up and down 95 or something like that but then you also you you develop a rapport with those customers and i think that's happening in general for people who want to stay in the business uh, and who want to make money doing it because if if you look at the car
0: carrier you have the report they trust you that customer knows that that car is safely going to get to their to their house or to the landing area in certain towns you have to go to a certain landing area to to unload the cars and they know that so that's one little niche then you have trucking you have a lot of some of the very large trucking companies, multi-billion dollar publicly traded enterprises, they have professional drivers that they, some of them run their own CDL schools. They've, they've trained on these individuals to work their way up and they, they value the role of the professional driver. How are they looking at autonomous trucks where they, where they have such a high value on the professional driver?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's always going to again to the to the amorphous point of trucking. I think it's always going to depend fleet to fleet, right? And and don't want to don't want to speak kind of for all of our customers under one umbrella, but I I mean I will say this. I mean, to go back to the COVID times, I think that was a really important lesson learned in some ways about how kind of market dynamics could be shifted in a really unique time and what that means for the labor market. You know, you have seen over the last few years, you know, sign-on retention bonuses that were absolutely sky high, right? That we're bringing people into this industry, sometimes in droves, but other times it still wasn't enough to convince people to come into this industry. And I think that was a wake up call for a lot of fleets that this wasn't a problem that you can kind of buy your way out of, right? That there is a foundational issue with kind of the industry almost since deregulation of the trucking industry where you no longer had you know, forcibly segmented or, or or shortened routes, but you really could drive across the country. Great for you know consumers. Great for the price of goods. Great for efficiency in the system. But that's a really challenging value proposition for for a driver, no matter kind of what benefits or pay or bonuses you're, you're throwing at them. So I think there's been this collective acceptance that you need a you need some way to kind of let off the steam valve, right? To 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 allow some of that extra capacity and pressure to uh, be taken in a different direction so that you can, you know, uh, get freight there on time for your customers and and you know continue to to develop a a sophisticated industry that can survive both the ups and the downs as the market dictates.
0: I, I studied the the freight market a lot during the pandemic. There's all all the public reports and we saw the reports out of, of the port of L.A. Goldman Sachs did a really good one about all the cargo backing up and then I saw the shifting movements to the port of Savannah and the various other ports around the United States. So I started looking into the data and running different models and scenarios where this is all hypothetical, so take it with that. If autonomous trucks were at scale, so Wabi's operating at scale with your partners, your, your peers in the industry are operating at scale, I came to the conclusion that autonomous trucks could help to shore up the supply chain and could have helped to unplug some unplug some of those ports. And it, to me, it became a hybrid solution. So you have the really great professional drivers on this side hauling, and you have the autonomous trucks on this side hauling. Is that where this is going? Do we get a hybrid approach when Wabi and, and your peers begin to scale?
1: I, I think for sure. Uh, I mean, some of it is, is is the dynamic racing that you know, which is – you know, you, you need to build these trucks, right? Like we at Wabi believe in making sure that this technology is integrated at the assembly line. And, you know, assembly lines can't produce an infinite amount of trucks every single year, right? So the, even even if we were uh, in a perfect world where we were uh, pulling the safety driver today and everything was going to be uh, deployed nationwide with absolutely no limitations on weather or anything else, you know, people, st- people still need to build the actual trucks, right? They need to build a redundant platform, put our technology in. And I think that's going to, at a bare minimum, right? Really ensure that there is a a phasing in of our technology into existing fleets. And and that gets into the point that I think you're making too, which is, you know, whether there's going to be room for, say, a human driver in an autonomous tractor on the same lane for years going forward. I think the answer is absolutely. You know, it might be going to a different destination. One is just better suited for human driving, you know, because of mountainous terrain or weather or other things, you know, for the next couple of years that are more difficult. But then, uh, you know, an autonomous tractor can take it maybe three quarters of the way there and then, you know, drop it and hook and, and service another customer in a different direction. So, you know, I think, you know, it's not only, it's not an, it's not an if and or, uh, or an if band, it's a, it's more of an or, where you know, you're going to be able to have a driver kind of driving on the same lane as an autonomous tractor, you know, for years to come, in addition to the work that just doesn't, you know, isn't really suited to autonomy, you know, those local pickup and deliveries and other things that I mentioned before.
0: I think when you look at the local pickup and deliveries, as as the industry is clearly moving to a hub-to-hub, and Uber Freight did another report on that, the hub-to-hub, the economics of the hub-to-hub, you're going to have first-and-last-mile jobs that are going to be created. And then I look at this and say, you're going to have a lot of economic stimulus. They can go to their kids' Little League game. Perhaps they go out for a a hot dog and a hamburger and a milkshake after, or they go to the movies. You're going to have this really interesting economic stimulus. That's going to happen because we need it. So me being me, and you know me well enough, the Chattanooga, Tennessee, high concentration of truck drivers that live there, high concentration of trucking companies, the average home is $265,000 right now to buy a home in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 30-year fix at 8%, you're paying $565,000 for that house, almost double what you're paying. We've got a problem. It's not going to be able to survive, and that's where... Where if autonomy can come into the picture, we can have this economic stimulus, create high-paying local jobs, they can afford to buy that house. Now you've got something really, really special there with this industry. But yet, why is that narrative never told about the, the positive economic benefits that this technology is going to have, not just for the companies developing it, not just for the companies that are using it, but for the communities that that where this technology is going to be deployed? They're going to see the positive benefits as well.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the environment too, Grayson, right? I mean, you know, as, as we shift more and more to EVs, I mean, you know, the drage and kind of local delivery industry is really, I think, where, where we start to see, you know, that that makes a ton more sense, right? A haul of 50 or 100 miles is much easier on an electric tractor as you see everything that's going on in California with CARB and the difficulties of the rollout there. You know, it, it's also, you know, a lot of those drivers, especially if they're doing local routes, live in the communities where they're going to be driving around, right? I mean, that's one been one of the historic biggest problems, as you know, in port communities is just the the Quality of the air as you have lines a mile long kind of waiting to get in and out of the ports of, you know, the oldest, dirtiest trucks that basically exist in the ecosystem, also sitting in your backyard, essentially, you know, waiting to pick up freight. So, you know, it's, it's got to create jobs in parts of the country that otherwise you know, somewhat untouched. Right. By by trucking, Uh, you know, it's they basically drive through because there isn't a, you know, consolidated market right there, you know, to actually have that freight be the end destination to not going to say Chattanooga, but, you know, a smaller town kind of, you know, surrounding Chattanooga, right, where it doesn't have the volume. But It absolutely could make sense in, uh, say, Chattanooga, for instance, to have that be a, you know, a hub where drivers go and service a mileage radius around them in a way that, you know, you can really kind of uplift and bring jobs to an area that was otherwise really depressed. I mean, you know, we really look at this as as an opportunity. I mean, again, trucking is the most common job, and I think, 23 to 24 states across the country. I mean, this is already an industry that's big. Freight volumes continue to go up. As trucking gets more competitive, you can see a diversion of freight from, say, you know, air to, to in rail and back onto, onto the truck. You know, there, there's more and more job growth to be had here. Why wouldn't we put this in kind of regional and local communities where that otherwise tend to not be as serviced by, uh, by the trucking industry just because of freight patterns?
0: Look at this way, take malls, and we've seen the data around malls that are around, make them logistics centers. They have all the jobs. So you took a mall that employed thousands of people, and now it's a logistics center employing thousands of people. Because the economic depression around where some of these large malls were is, frankly, sad. Because they're not going back, and we have to do something with that land. They have very big parking lots. It's not hard to get an A and E firm in there to go redesign it to make it a, a logistic hub. That will be really see when that happens. Autonomous trucks are coming. You're at the forefront with Wabi. What does the adoption curve look like in your opinion?
1: I, I think it depends. Again, uh, not to not to, to castigate it as an amorphous thing. I mean, I think you know what 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 Wabi is really focused on building is is you know speeding up that curve. To be candid, right, it, is understanding that you have a incredibly powerful technology and in generative AI that can allow us to understand the diversity of the world to, at a pace and with an amount of fidelity that no one else can you know that otherwise you need to drive millions and millions and millions and millions of miles on the road in order to do things uh, that you know AI based simulation and an AI based driving uh, system can allow you to do in, in a fraction of that time so we think we're really changing you know the, the curve to make it you know much more of a hockey stick so it can kind of you know be adopted quickly but you know again this is going to be incremental right I mean it, it's you know these are also you know, not just the manufacturing of tractors themselves, but, you know, the purchasing of tractors needs to also work into a fleet's purchasing pattern, right? You know, as you know, like, you know, there, there are capital expenditures that are planned out years in advance. And, and so all these factors are going to go into it still being incremental. But, you know, first and foremost, the technology needs to be there and it needs to be safe. And that's what we're really excited to be building at Wabi.
0: And you have a great name for your simulation platform, Wabi World. It reminds me of Wayne's World. It's party time, but on yours, it's simulation time. I mean, it's really great branding.
1: It it may maybe maybe not as fun as uh, uh, being in, in, in Wayne's basement, but uh, a different different kind of world for sure. Uh it, it's amazing to see, right? As a non engineer, as someone who who really is 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 in awe in some ways of what our uh, our technical teams can do. You know, we are able to basically drive down a road, capture information from our sensors, immediately transfer that into Wabi World, which is our closed loop. Uh, simulator and, and turn that into a, a driving school or a playground, basically to train our autonomous driving system. You know, it's something that no one else can do, um, and it's because we have the absolute world leaders in artificial intelligence working at our company, kind of beginning and uh, with our CEO who has been a, a leader in this space for for you know years. And it's allowing us to build a product that's not only to your point about adoption, you know, going to be in our minds safer, but it's going to be easily generalizable, right? You know, what we can take lessons learned in one part of the country easily transfer that in simulation into a base level of testing before we put it into a different road whether, you know, across the, the U.S. or Canada or wherever we are going to deploy and, and get it uh, much closer to the kind of drive our out-deployment than we otherwise could. So we really think that this is the direction that the entire industry needs to go and, and end up will go, and we're excited to be at the forefront of it.
0: I want to give you credit because you're, you're an AI company at, at your core. You have a, a simulation platform that I've spoken to some of your investors, and they speak volumes about your simulation platform that Raquel and the team has built. But you have to, you have a lot of credit that you don't get enough for. You hired a trucker. You hired Dustin Cole. He comes from a, a, a trucking background. You have a, a, a trucking background. Then you put together the Million Mile Driver Advisory Board. To me, it says you're showing respect to the, the professional men and women drivers, but it also says that you want to learn from them. Why did Wabi take the step to put together the Million Mile Driver Advisory Board, and what are you hoping to learn from members of that board?
1: No, and and look, you know, hat tip, uh, <laughs> I guess hat tip to, to Raquel for hiring Dustin and me uh, and recognizing that this world needs you know, kind of more people who are in the industry where we're deploying. But I think we're already to, to the Million Mile drivers Advisory Board, as well as just, you know, the approach that we've been able to take on, on the commercial side is is really, you know, proving out that thesis, right? That this isn't a technology that should be overlaid on top of an existing industry, but you need to bake it into, you know, what the trucking industry has been, you know, doing and knows so well, because, you know, this is their business, right? So, you know, we've really looked at this, whether it's on the advisory board or just interacting with customers as being a really collaborative, close process, through and through and that includes on on you know the the drivers who are not only going to see this technology on their own lots you know being used by their companies but are also going to drive on the roads next to it so you know our approach to the driver advisory board has really been twofold: one is you know you would be crazy not to learn from someone who has driven two or three million miles on the road right who has seen. Absolutely everything that there almost is to see has made the highway their office for you know decades at times, uh, often accident free that entire time. I mean that is an accomplishment in and of itself. Why wouldn't you try to? pick every little piece of information you could out of that person to help us build a better system. Uh, you know, We just had a, another meeting with our driver advisory board the other day, and you know, the details of, of what they have experienced, the, the secondhand nonverbal communications that they were able to pick up just from driving on the road is, is so valuable to our engineers and, and to us as a company as we understand the challenge. Uh, you know, of really building the stack and building something that is safer than the safest human driver that exists. But the other part is to to really not be just extractive, right? We want to give back and actually open up a dialogue for drivers. This is about opening up the hood a little bit so that they can see what the technology is but they can also see what it isn't right you know to your point about why are we not talking about job creation on the local p d side you know some of it is we think because people are not doing enough of this outreach and direct communication with drivers right you know it's just telling them that this technology is meant for a certain purpose and it is not meant for other purposes right that local pickup and delivery times where you really need to interact with a customer in a lot of detail right there is a a very important huge market that it's going to fill but that does not mean that it is going to take up every single tractor trailer that that drives down the road and being able to communicate that to drivers have them get excited and understand kind of the possibilities for it Um, and also show them again I mean you know that the road is their their world you know show them how we're building this safely so that they know when they see a Wabi power truck driving you know down the road next to them they understand what went into building it and then they know that they can trust it and don't take other you know divisive action that could even impact the safety of our drivers so we want to be a part of the community we appreciate them accepting us uh, and it's a conversation that we're really excited about continuing to
0: have. Trust is key. Without trust, autonomous trucks don't scale at the end of the day. The public has to trust it. The professional drivers have to trust it. When you're going down the road with your family in a car and you look and you see a fully driverless truck, you have to trust and know that that truck is doing safe driving. And then it, for me being a dad, the one thing that I know my daughter's going to want and that a lot of other parents' kids are going to want, the honk game. You're going to have to teach <laughs> the, tr- the truck how to play the honk game they're going to build public trust with kids and that's a really good thing
1: amen no it, it's a great it, it's a great point I mean that's that's again to the driver advisory board has one been one of the best things I think that we've really uncovered is, is those those you know nonverbal cues that people take for granted in some ways and how we can make sure to adopt little pieces like that into our technology so that we are you know, we're not a a random, you know, secondary actor coming into the highway, right? We want to be integrated seamlessly into the ecosystem so that, you know, at times you might not even know we're there until you look over and see that there's not a driver in the cab. You know, that's the goal, right? Seamless, boring uh, implementation that it's so safe, you know, it it really doesn't raise alarms. And we'll need to make sure to put in a a good horn for for your daughter because keeping excitement in the industry is uh, as important as anything.
0: Absolutely. Professional drivers, and I've spoken to lots of them, and some of them get very tactical when they drive. They're, they're watching the the wheel on a car. Is it is it moving? Because it could potentially come off. And so they're trying to get evasive maneuvering, and they're really good at studying the road or patterns of a car swerving. Perhaps they're on their phone or they're intoxicated. They're really good at reading the road. Are you taking those learnings from the professional drivers of reading the road and putting it into Wabi world where your autonomous trucks are knowing how to react to a situation just as a professional driver would?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of this is we have what we think is the best technology uh, you know, in the space in order to drive, however, we think it's the safest driving behavior, but there is a there is an art as well as a science and the part of the art that we try to tap into is, you know, what do professional drivers think is the safest maneuver in a certain situation, right? Where, you know, you could take one of two options. And, you know, this is, again, where Wabi World allows us to play with all these options, you know, offline and the safety of a simulator instead of the real world. But we like to take the lessons and their advice into how we are, you know, programming the technology. Because again, it's it's whether it's you know, the, the increased oil that has kind of come up the roadway after, uh, you know, the first rain in a couple of months and what that can do to friction on the road uh, or whether it's, you know, how you adapt to looking into uh, how a human looks into, you know, the the car next to them and might see the person texting and maybe adjust their driving behavior. I mean those are all that's all feedback that we want to take, you know, to build into our system and, and then level up on top of it, right? You know, we also have benefits that a human driver doesn't. You know, one of the things is you've heard over the years too, Grayson, is just, you know, drivers have a huge blind spot. You know, oftentimes on the far side of the truck, you know, especially as they're pulling a 53 footer, you know, we don't have that blind spot. So what can we take in terms of their advice, level up with the 360 degree you know, vision that our sensors give us and create a holistically safer product than a human being really ever could do, right? Because you know, even if you're checking your blind spots on one, ha- on one side, you know, you're turning your head to, you know, the blind spot on the other side. So kind of combining those two worlds to come create a perfect product is is what we're aiming to do.
0: You're making it safer. I'd much rather be on a road with one of your autonomous trucks than, than than a human driver because I know your truck is not going to get distracted. And I know your truck has one mission, to go from destination A to B safely. That's all your truck's focused on.
1: Yeah. And and, and back to the the quality of life of current drivers too. I mean, which is something I keep in the forefront of my head all the time. I mean You know, you also have the opportunity to maybe shift drivers from off-peak hours, you know, or back to peak hours where they can actually get their circadian rhythm right and be driving during the day again, right? You know, autonomous tractor can do some of the hauling at night because it can go coast to coast when there's less traffic uh, and do things like that. You know, there's just a a host of benefits we see here, Uh, you know, the increased pay, increased ability to kind of get home at night you know, the ability to have more more routine and predictable freight. Uh, So, you know, hopefully this will help dig into, you know, so the frustration that a lot of drivers have of waiting hours, if not days at a shippers facility sometimes, you know, waiting to pick up a load or drop one off, you know, more more consistency, reliability in the system, more optimization of the network in general, right? Because we know where assets are all the time. You know, we can can avoid, you know, empty backhauls, which is also terrible for the environment, you know, and, and not as efficient as it could be. So we see all these things kind of playing into making a driver's World better, but also making the network better, which you know. Also, at the end of the day, you got to remember drivers get paid by their company unless they're independent or operators. So you know, if there's more margin for the company, that's more drop money that can go into drivers' pockets. That's more retention bonuses that can go out to them. And we just see efficiency is better for for everyone in the entire supply chain. Uh, you know, from dock workers to refuelers to drivers themselves.
0: It benefits everyone. We haven't talked about this, but for the professional drivers, it's going to increase their health. They're going to get healthier, and that that's going to have a, a really big Impact And the consumer is going to benefit because some of those cost savings will be be able to be passed on to the consumer at the end of the day. There's the jobs and you have the individuals that unload a truck, load a truck, do the inspection. What type of jobs do you see being created in the future? And I I start seeing a lot of jobs around the depots, if you want to use the term, the the transfer hubs being created. In your opinion, what are some of the other jobs that are going to be created in the autonomous trucking ecosystem?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to need people at those depots who can help with calibration, right, of the truck sensors. You're going to need people who are remote dispatchers, right, who can plug in and help, to, you know, breadcrumb direct the, the truck to, you know, answer questions that it pings off of of them, you know, when it's out on the road. You're, you're still going to need the base type operations, though, too, which is, you know, people doing the pre-trip, people doing the post-trip, uh, you know, people refueling and, um, you know, uh, just making sure that everything in the truck is in, is in good working order, you know, as well as the loading and unloading. But, you know, for all the job creation that's going to happen there, I mean, uh, to to, the, to what we're talking about at the, outf- the outset of the conversation, I, I don't want to acknowledge that there's really going to be any job loss, you know, in the grander ecosystem for those drivers themselves, right? So in, in our mind, you know, the, the job creation is an awesome, great addition to the entire ecosystem, but you're also going to have, just by nature of the slow trickle of job creation that's existed in the human-driven space, you know, a ton of drivers uh, who are going to continue to be able to drive and then in added efficiency in the system was going to allow you know, fleets to hire more and more drivers. So we see it as a win-win in in kind of both buckets, but there is going to be some really awesome, exciting jobs that are created that don't exist now.
0: It's going to be fun because you're going to get individuals who had never thought of a career in trucking to say, this is cool. I get to work in technology and I get to go home at night. Okay. This is great. So you're going to have those individuals that go there. Overall, how should the industry approach workforce development? It seems that we've had some starts stops. We haven't collectively come together with, with around a clear messaging.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think honesty too, right, and transparency is always key. You know, we've made a center of our, our communications to drivers is really being, being clear with them about, again, what the, tra- what the technology is capable of doing and what it isn't, what the adoption timelines are and what they aren't. And drivers are very smart people. They are able to connect the dots and understand what that means for them. You know, there, there's a lot of macroeconomic factors to what we talked about at the outset, you know, that, that impact whether driving is a good job for them even prior to autonomous tractors, right? It's you know, if if you know the 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 this if they're operating in the spot market with the spot market makes sense, if they're gonna have enough contractor freight to exist for years at a time. So, you know, we see this as something that's gonna add stability and reliability to them and just you know communicating that to them directly, right? Not being afraid of drivers, right? You know, some of you have Attract more drivers over my career than, than I can even count, and, and drivers are just good, hardworking people in my experience, right? They want to make a good wage, they want to be able to you know get home to their family at the end of the day, and, and they want to do it you know with with, with their limbs intact and healthy. Um, and you know that's the other part too of communicating the benefits. To your point about health of drivers, you know anyone who's lived down on the road has seen you know how how much of a taxing lifestyle that is, not just because you're driving and away from home and sleeping in the you know, a, a truck stop or, you know, in, in the in the sleeper berth for, for days at a time, but you're also eating fast food. You don't have access to any sort of, you know, outdoors facilities to go for a walk or kind of, you know, stretch your legs. And drivers have seen that, you know, you have the rise of sleep apnea and, and you know, other physical issues kind of impacting the community more than anyone. Yeah, I think if you ask drivers in an honest fashion, you know, they will acknowledge things need to change in this industry. And we're excited to be part of that revolution.
0: You should be excited. You're doing good. There's no other way to describe it. You're you're doing good. The drivers are going to have a better lifestyle. And they're going to make more money, and they're going to be able to be there for their family. And that's a win-win. And it's it's going to benefit their local community as well. And there's going to be a lot of positive benefits that come from autonomous trucking. So thank you for for highlighting those on this conversation. There's the million-dollar one. I'm giving you a huge, huge, huge softball. So I want a Babe Ruth home run on this one. <laughs> What is the future of autonomous trucking in Sam's opinion?
1: I think the the future of autonomous trucking is incredibly bright. I think it is incremental at first and then going into rocket ship speed, uh, you know a couple of years after initial uh, you know integration. Yeah, I, I liken this grace into something that we we kind of can't can't comprehend in some ways now uh, until it really becomes ubiquitous. Um, you know, and a hat tip to some of my, my robotaxi uh, colleagues in the same way you're seeing with with robotaxi deployments, you know, it, it's almost unbelievable until you see it and you take a ride and you go into it. And next thing you know, you kind of don't, you don't think about it anymore. That's what I see as the future of autonomous trucking. Uh, you know, more efficiency, it makes the trucking industry as a whole better. It makes driver's lives better. It increases efficiencies for our tire supply chain and just you know, helps unleash the U.S. to do things that you know we otherwise are constrained uh, to do because of the inefficiencies of our supply chains. So, um, you know, that efficiency, that the positive job creation impacts everything across the board. I think it's really going to take off and 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 change the way that we that we move goods in this country forever.
0: Autonomous trucks become part of the fabric of society as they scale at the end of the day. And if America can have a stable, secure supply chain, it's good for national security. It, it, and it's good for the economy and then the entire country benefits. And hopefully at some point we get a national framework that can allow Wabi and all of your competitors in the industry to operate across state lines in all 50 states because the American public will benefit. And when the American public benefits, the economy benefits. And when the economy benefits, everybody wins. As we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, Sam, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today?
1: You should understand that the fear and, and consternation that people might have heard from truck drivers is real, um, but don't be scared of it, right? You know, embrace it. Take that as an opportunity to talk to drivers directly, understand where they're coming from, you know, have you know reasonable and open and transparent conversations with them. And I think you'll be really surprised with the results uh, you know, drivers are savvy, smart people who have seen more and more technology come into the, tr- the cabs of their trucks over, over not only the years, but the decades now a- a- and understand kind of what the future holds. They just want to make sure it works for them and doesn't, uh, isn't thrown on top of them. So you know, we see this as a huge and amazing opportunity to start that conversation with them now. And, you know, we have really been seeing the results already for a driver advisory board. So, you know, we'd say to other people, get on board, you know, let's, let's go talk to people
0: get on board, sit down, have a coffee with an individual, professional driver or somebody that works in the trucking industry. I've done it. They're fascinating conversations. And the best part is I learned something that I didn't learn. And you get to meet really great men and women. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow's today. The future is autonomous trucking job creation. Sam, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today.
1: Thanks for having me, Grayson.
0: Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, Please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, Unplugged, where I'll share my thoughts and insights into markets and the future of mobility. SAE
1: International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.